Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hello, Susan. How are you this evening? Oh, what a beautiful day it was today. Glorious blue sky with fluffy little white clouds. Wilhelm mm. Reich 
they've said, oh, there's a lot of orgone available today. Mm. And it felt like that, lots of things stirring and a little uh, um, notice from Vicky Noble about, oh, things are shifting in the stars up above. You're going to have energy for new projects. And it really feels like that. But mm-hmm. how I'm how I'm doing is kind of really marshalling my thoughts about something that's upsetting to me. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about sex. I think we're allowed to. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. When I when I was pretty young, I was given the task of filling up the waiting pool for myself and my siblings. And while I was doing that, I was messing around. And I put the hose in my bathing suit so that it went down the front of my bathing suit and filled up the pool that way. And it felt, you know what? It felt good. In fact, it felt very good. It felt so good that I returned to filling up the waiting pool that way every time I had a chance and even experimented when there wasn't a waiting pool to be filled up. It was a few years later that I was first informed that you don't talk about that. You don't talk about that to other people. You pretend that that doesn't exist. And I think that we do women especially a disservice when we pretend that sex doesn't exist. What has me so distressed and upset is yet another woman that I know telling me that her teenage girl thinks she might want to be a boy and could we all refer to her as he? And it's very distressing. What I want to say to her and to all young girls and old girls too is Ladies, it's about sex. You have in the female body, in a woman's body, the most incredible access to pleasure that can be. It doesn't come without practice. It doesn't come without commitment. It doesn't come without broken hearts. But all of the power and the prestige, all of the money and the things of the world are nothing compared to the pleasure that your adult female body will give you for the rest of your life. Mm. Stick with it. It's a rocky road getting into a female body at puberty. I remember. Stick with it. Stick with it. The reason that men want all the power and privileges because they don't have what we do. <laughs> wow. Well, I feel you and I hear you. And if there's a moment, I'll share your your hose in the in the pool filling story inspired a memory for me. Um, yeah, when I was young, I had no idea um, that the entire time I was in elementary school and enjoying climbing the pole at recess, 
that I was enjoying pleasuring myself with an orgasm. And I truly did not know it until I had an orgasm in my 20s. And it all came to a brilliant realization. Oh, my gosh, this is why I enjoyed this so much at recess. And thinking back, I remember I wasn't the only young girl doing it. No one of us talked about it. But there were two other young girls in every recess. Each one of us would make sure we got to that poem before the whistle blew. So, yeah, I agree. Um, Once I understood that I already had so much understanding of my body and how magical it was at such a young age, it really helped me open stuff up and say, if that was then, then there must be so much more. And um, it is magical. And I've been married to a man for 21 years now, and he knows it's super magical too. And I, I can just say from every which way around, if you are a woman, um, love it, love yourself. It's such a blessing. And this human walk you get and that woman, female body, just mm, live with it with all your heart and it will love you. And yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the ability of a woman to experience orgasm and sexual pleasure, which doesn't have to be an orgasm, because even as little girls, we knew what felt good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes that bursting into a thousand blazing blossoms of orgasm and sometimes that's just a single rose it's so good yeah and it does it doesn't taper off as you get older it gets more intense as you get older Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah for men you know there's like this puberty peak and goes up for a few years, and then they're like, it's downhill all the way until finally it's, you know, if they want it up, they better take drugs. Mm. And mm-hmm. if they're doing anything wrong, that's the natural course of a man's sexual expression. The natural course of a woman's sexual expression is to find out more and more about her sexual pleasure, especially after menopause. And again, yeah, it's, I did a, I did a teleseminar earlier this year with Sherry Winston. Yeah, you really got to, like, stick with it because menopause just kind of makes you go, oh, gosh, who cares? Mm-hmm. Well, I figure if a bottling company advertising executive can make up that you need to drink two quarts of water a day, and if somebody in Japan, also at an ad agency, interestingly enough, made up that you should take 10,000 steps a day, there is absolutely no reason why I cannot make up that in order to be vigorously healthy, you need seven orgasms a week. Mm-hmm. Just as valid as two quarts of water and 10,000 steps, and you can take it or leave it just like you can those other things, but... How much commitment do you have to your own pleasure? Do you let it come last? Or do you actually keep 
that. Remember that one of the things I said to the surgeons was, I want you to leave me my ovaries, my bladder, and my ability to have an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And even though I knew I wasn't supposed to talk about it, Mm. let's talk about it. Let's talk about it so that young women know, stick with it, there's something great in store for you. Yes, beyond just sex and pleasure, which is lovely and so remarkable in itself, with a partner or without, it's a portal to so much. I mean, it, it literally, physically, spiritually, soulfully, everything. It, it it's a portal, and we are blessed with it physicalized on our bodies, and so much access can be gained through that amazing space that's within us that, that really directly connects to the void of all that is. So it's such an honor to carry being a woman in this, in this earth walk. And I, yes, yes, I, I, I really pray for that for every other woman born with the gift of a woman's body and blood. Absolutely. Mm. I, I felt and experienced that very thing this afternoon thinking about this, that, that portal into the black hole which gives birth to all existence. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. And it's scary. Mm-hmm. And it's especially scary when you're a teen, when they're taking the training wheels off your bike and suddenly you're supposed to be pedaling on a road with buses and trucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we have an author who's going to be with us this evening. She has written, let me get, let me get this, how many books? She has written 10 books. <coughs> and that's not enough. She's also an award-winning documentary filmmaker and a traveler. She's been to 75 countries and all 50 states. And Anne Crawford will be with us at 9 o'clock. East Coast time to talk about her books, talk about her travels, and she wrote a book about a healer who uses herbs, and she thought it would be fun to talk about that, and I bet we think that's true, too. Stick with us or come on back at 9 o'clock for Ann Crawford. Do we have any people with their hand raised? We do. We have a caller who has pressed 1 to signal that they have a question, and I'll remind everyone else, please press 1 to let us know that you have a question and would like to speak with Susan this evening. Our first caller is calling from the 831 area code from the 831. You are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Eliani. Hi, Eliani. How are you? Um, I am okay. How are you? Really enjoying the beautiful, beautiful autumn weather. 
went for a walk with white feathers mm. this afternoon. Oh, yay. <laughs> yay. Yeah. And tomorrow I'm going to go for a walk with Yvette. That's so great. I, um, I sometimes I, I have my CD of her um, instructing the dance um, that she instructs, the um, Seven Directions Movement Meditation, and I love it. Oh, how wonderful. Alayani was a green goddess here, so she got to spend time with White Feather doing the Seven Directions Movement Meditation, and uh, she and I were talking today about Grandmother Twyla, and she was saying she listened into the to the blog talk show last week, and I was talking about Shisandra and the three different energies, and she was mm. thinking, wow, that's like... That's like Grandmother Twyla talking about the within, the within, the what. And at that point, I said, and Grandmother Twyla calls that. And she just started laughing. She said, you know, Dan turned around and said, what are you laughing at? She said, Susan and I are obviously thinking exactly the same thing at exactly the same time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I bet you have your shield where you can see it that you painted with it. Oh, yes. I do, and I love, I love humming with it, and I feel the power. <laughs> mm. Uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so what can I help you tonight? Yeah, yeah, I have a question. I do have your book down there, um, but I have a question about a UTI. And... Um, I am, I'm following what I understand, um, well, what I got from the advice in down there about um, how to sort of um, fight or um, dance with this, um, because I, I can feel that there's pressure. It's kind of right below my belly button. And every time I'm urinating, it's like kind of not coming out with as much force and as it used to. And also toward the end, it feels like I can't um, complete. And um, and there's also kind of pain at the end. And so I've been starting since yesterday taking three dropperfuls of of echinacea with some yarrow and they're also like about a whole dropper full of yarrow every two hours and it's been going sort of up and down are you running for me a, and I'm just, running a, are you running a fever I'm not running a fever right now but I was having some pain but you were? no no I what I haven't I haven't had a fever you haven't had a fever no. okay and is mm-hmm. is your urine burning, scalding? No, it's not. Do you feel really mm-hmm. intense urgency? I'm feeling the urgency. It's not as intense as it was when I when it first started, when it first came on. Mhm. Mhm. Um but okay. yeah. So mm-hmm. you started taking the echinacea and the yarrow when it first came on or you just started taking it now? I just started taking it yesterday morning. So where you are right of, now, it's overkill. 
what it sounds like is irritation and inflammation more than infection. And I mm. could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I think things more like corn silk. Mm. Oh, and nice. <laughs> right, and cranberries mm-hmm. and blueberries. Mhm. Yeah, I do have some cranberry juice that I've that I've been sipping on since I started um, addressing it. And good. Yeah. What the mm-hmm. what? What's in the cranberries and the blueberries is really interesting, because bacteria, mm-hmm. as individuals are not nearly as difficult for our bodies to deal with as bacteria linked together. And when they link together, they form films. Mm-hmm. And because bacteria are single cells, this film is like just one cell thick. So it's an incredibly thin film. It can actually coat the inside of the bladder. And both mm-hmm. cranberry and blueberry break that up and prevent the bacteria both from adhering to the inner part of the bladder and from sticking to each other. Mm. Mm-hmm. Soothing things like corn silk and marshmallow can help alleviate inflammation. Okay. And the bladder says it all comes down to me. It goes around and around, but it all comes down to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you might mm-hmm. want to ask what it's come down to. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything you need to do about that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you are very vigorously working with yourself, and my sense is that that vigor of working with yourself is because the place that it really wants to go, you are a little unsure as to whether you can really vigorously attend to this other thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but you do. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're pissed yeah. off about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like what you began with, the show that you began with um, at the beginning of the show. It's, it's like I feel like I have sexual desires and, and wants and, and um, yeah, I feel sort of in a place where I'm not able to express and that is frustrating. So, of course, I'm imagining now, let's see, what kind of place would you be where you wouldn't be able to be that you're still sleeping with your parents? You're sleeping in the room next to your parents. You're sleeping in the 
room next to a person who doesn't know that sex exists, you don't have a vibrator. No, I, it's with my own self. It's just that I I need to overcome layers of shame and guilt and mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you need to find the shameless hussy. It's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, how do you court her? What does she like? That shameless hussy. Does she drink? Um, <laughs> um, she dances. She dances. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a good way to work her, make her dancing. Yes. I'm so glad that you know that you want to make the acquaintance of your shameless hussy. Mary Mm -hmm. Daly, and miss her so acutely, the feminist theologian said that we must look to the words that have been used to damn women to understand where our true power is. And she identified four words that she wanted all women to claim. I am a bitch. I am a witch. I am a dyke. I am a slut. Because mm-hmm. these archetypes of women's power are used in so many ways to put women down that we internalize it and become ashamed of our own bitchy, witchy, dikey, slutty selves. Mm-hmm. So, court that shameless hussy, dance with her, and give her a show her a good time. I'm sure she'll pay you. It sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome, Juliani. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. All right. And I will remind everyone listening, if you have a question for Susan this evening, please press 1 and put yourself in the queue. Our next caller is calling from the 608 area code. From the 608, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. My name is Fern. <clears throat> um, hi, Fern. Hi. Nice to talk to you. Um, so um, I'm going to try and do a very quick um, rehash of uh, what's going on. I have cellulitis in my leg, and um, about a year ago, I was um, I got very, very sick, high fever. My leg swelled up, went into the hospital. I was in for a week. Um, kind of in and out of sleep, not, you know, very, very sick. After the week, they discharged me with what they said was cellulitis. 
Um, about two days later, I re- got very, very high fever again. Um, IV antibiotics a second time for another week, came out of the hospital and um, seemed to be fine. About six months ago, I got a little spot on my leg. My foot swelled up like an elephant. Um, They told me to take antibiotics, didn't take the antibiotics. Um, It seemed to go away within a week. Now, six months later, I'm in the same position. This time it's very bad. I have kind of sores that are like gaping, gaping holes in my ankle and in my leg. And my um, leg feels hard as a rock. Um, like there's no, um, it's just like there's hard, I don't know how to explain it. It just feels very hard on my shin and horrible swelling um, that comes and goes. Burning pain where the holes are. Um, and the and the spots and sometimes just burning pain kind of all over my leg, and I don't have a clue. I look up things online and I get a million different answers, and I don't know even where to start. So I'm hoping that you know. <laughs> I I hear you, and cellulitis is a real nightmare. And yeah, basically, what modern medicine does is to fling antibiotics at it. Always yeah. figuring it, figuring it's some kind of infection, uh, but the fact that it doesn't really go away and seems to be coming back with increasing severity on a six-month schedule, yeah, is certainly you know really notable and obvious. And what comes to my mind is a story that Dr. Christopher told about a man who came up to him after one of his talks on crutches and he said, Dr. Christopher, he said, I'm scheduled to have both of my legs amputated from the knee down tomorrow. He says, is there any any possible thing that you could offer me? And they were just completely without any circulation to them. And Dr. Christopher said, I don't know if it will work, but you can get into a hot bathtub and put, if you have it, fresh comfrey leaf, and if not, strong comfrey leaf tea, or if you have it, comfrey root or strong comfrey root, and marshmallow, and you won't have it fresh, but you should be able to buy it, and marshmallow is very easy to buy, marshmallow root. And he said, when the water gets lukewarm, um, heat it up, keep putting more herb in there, and just just stay in there. And keep putting more herb and more hot water. Ten years later, a man walked up to Dr. Christopher. He said, you don't remember me, but I'm that man who was going to have both legs amputated. (laughs) Oh, my well, we have it's kind of extreme treatment, and you have to have a helper or two, but you're in an extreme place. The herbs that help to move lymphatic flow, and when I see cellulitis, they they are the herbs that crowd themselves into my consciousness are cleavers and poke root. 
And Cleavers is kind of mild-mannered. Cleavers is the Clark Kent of the duo. You know, Cleavers goes to the lymphatic tissue and says, excuse me, could we get moving? And then Poke, of course, is the Superman. And Poke goes in and says, you will move or else. So in a situation like this where you don't really know, I would start with cleavers in small amounts. And as you feel comfortable with it, you could get more, use more. It's a pretty common weed in our area. And it's usually used as a tincture. I know the Catskill Mountain Herbals tinctures it fresh. And then poke root. Well, the poke is also called inkberry and the Really dark purple, almost black berries are really conspicuous now, along with the magenta stalks that they're on. And it's the root of the poke that's usually dug, usually after frost, and tinctured. And that's used in very tiny doses, like one or two drops once or twice a day. It's really strong medicine. But in situations where things turn elephantine, poke can really, really do it. And one of the things I like about poke, and it's one of the most poisonous plants that I work with, not that it will kill you, and I know people who have taken large doses. In fact, I was able to get myself to tolerate pretty large doses. Um, So it's certainly not more poisonous than coffee, for instance. Um, But it tends to stop cycling infections. Again, because poke goes in, you know, poke just goes in and like kicks the out of everything, which is why it's considered poisonous, right? Because Uh if you take too much, you get diarrhea or you get upset stomach or you get dizzy or you hallucinate. And too much can even be four drops. Okay. But there's at least a starting thing that you can do for yourself, cleaver's tincture, and then working up to poke if you feel that the cleaver's is not active enough. And a thing that you can do if you can get some help and some herbs, um, and the sooner the better. You do grow comfrey. Um, I was going to ask you about the comfrey. Um, we have comfrey here. Um, we haven't had a frost yet, of course. Um, it's quite okay. You can use comfrey at any time of the year. Okay. So if it's up and flowering, we can go ahead and 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 use the, the leaf. Can you, you use... You can use the comfrey any day of the year that it's above ground for this application. Okay. I like to harvest the comfrey flowering stalk, leaves and all, using the stalk and the leaves because the stalk is the most medicinal part mm-hmm. um, because it's easier to dry and that's what I like for infusion. But for this application, any part of the comfrey root or leaf fresh in the bathtub any day of the year that you can get it is perfect. Okay. Well, that is wonderful. We have 
I have tons of it at my disposal right now. I have marshmallow root at my disposal. Great. And marshmallow, can you get hold of some marshmallow? Yep. And poke as well. I know right where to go. And I have some tincture in my cupboard that's from last year. Um, Oh, good you. Yes. Yeah. Phase two. Well, so... Phase two of restoring herbal medicine is people's medicine. You already have the remedy you need. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't even know why. I just decided it was something I kept, it kept coming up at me. And, you know, it's funny. um, It was right after my first um, leg issue that I even just started discovering poke. And who knew that it was going to be what I was going to (laughs) need. Wow. That's Heart, so heartwarming. Yeah. Uh, well, for, thank you. So thank you for much. sharing with us. I really appreciate you. Yes. Thank you so much. Bless you. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right. And at this time, we have lots of callers on the line, but no one has raised their hand to signal that they have a question. Um, where would you like to go? To an email or? Yes, I even think I sent you an email that somebody wrote in and said, I want to ask about something, and I think I emailed it to you and said, here's one for the show if there aren't any one-pushers. Oh, oh, I if I received it, I have not seen it, but I'll check with oh, other okay. women to um, yeah, apologies to the to the That's writer. Okay, of that but question. you have some others that have come in by email. Uh, I do have a couple others, yep. Good, okay, um, well, that works too. Okay, excellent. And um, I'll remind everyone listening, do press one if you have a question come up while we're discussing our email questions. Um, all right. Hi, Susan. Love listening to your show on replay every week. I have heard that heard you mention Shisandra Berry several times, and I would like to know in what ways you prepare her, what parts are prepared, and what she offers as nourishment and or medicine. Also, is there a specific type or age of plant necessary, green and harvest blessings? That's an interesting question. Let's see. What part of the Shisandra berry would we harvest? <gasps> the berry. Okay. One of those right in front of your face questions. Yes, it is the berry. It's a Shisandra vine. And in the wild, there are male Shisandras and female Shisandras, like cannabis. And the females have the berries. And um, males have their male flowers, but now they have been hybridized so that they bear both male and female flowers. And the flowers, oh my gosh, they smell so good. You just want to stand forever with your head smooshed into the Shisandra vine when it is blooming. It is amazingly wonderful smell. And then there's clusters of berries that start out green and then get red, 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 red. You can learn a whole lot about Shisandra 
with my adaptogens course at wisewomanschool.com. And not only is there um, several videos about Chassandra and its uses and um, constituents and dosing and how to work with it, but there's also a monograph, a written monograph that on Chassandra that goes with the course that gives you lots more information. And, of course, I reference both David Winston's book on adaptogens, which includes Chassandra, although I don't recall um, by heart whether or not he has allowed it into his small and select group of hypothalamus uh, pituitary adrenal axis herbs, which he wants to be the new standard for adaptogens. But I know he does talk about Chisandra. And that Donnie Yance also talks about Chisandra. And they are two voices that I absolutely trust. And if you want to learn more, they would be good voices. What do we do with our Chisandra berries? What could you do with berries? You can make fresh Chisandra berry vinegar and it's amazingly good. You can make fresh Chisandra berry tincture. Mmm, that's a nice way. I'm taking Chisandra berry tincture right now. The Chisandra berry tincture I'm taking right now is from dried berries and I'm taking a dropper full a day. The same still in the healing process from my surgery and Shasandra is helping to replenish, restore and really be there for me energetically as I continue to build myself in the aftermath of uh, uh, 17 hours of surgery. Shasandra is the only plant that builds all three levels of energy, and we were talking about that last week, um, from the within to the within, the within to the within, the within, the within. And so you can also dry Shisandra berries, since you can buy them dried, but usually if I have a berry, I don't dry it. If I want to dry it, I just buy it dried. They're inexpensive enough. However, I was remembering that my first Shisandra that I ever got was salted Shisandra. And so I, I'm kind of wondering how they did that. I suspect that they blind them, that they put them in a super salt-saturated liquid because they were both brined and dried. They were like, if you've ever seen an umiboshi plant, Umi, of course, is the plum, and boshi means dried, so umiboshi is dried plum. But we call them umiboshi plums just because we don't know what we're talking about. That's okay. So it, the, the shisandra berries, which are much, much smaller than a plum, were nonetheless umiboshi plumbed. The same thing was done to them. I am sure they were given to me as a gift from somebody from Russia. And she said that shisandra grew wild in the area where she grew up in Russia. And that was how they prepared them, but she didn't remember exactly how she still had some. And there were like salt crystals all over them. She just really didn't know exactly how that was done. 
So there's a few possibilities. I ate a Shasandra berry today, and I gave Michelle a Shasandra berry today to eat. Was it good? Yeah, she said it was very good, but I wouldn't waste them by eating them raw if I really wanted to eat them without making a tincture of vinegar or if I just had to harvest them and I couldn't do anything, I'd throw them in the freezer because I'm not going to get anything from them raw except fun, and that's okay. Fun's good, too. It was fun, and we got a little hit of vitamin C, and we got those five flavors, and we, we got to say, I ate a Shisandra berry. But in terms of medicine and food value, we didn't get much. So it's a good idea to process them in some way. It does not look to me like there's so many Shisandra berries that I would be able to satisfy all of my need for Shisandra tincture and maybe make some honey. But who knows? I might be able to make some Shisandra berry honey. Mm, that would be good. Have you been messing around with the Shisandra at all, Sarah Ellen? Um, I actually have never seen a Shisandra to my knowledge, um, but I'm sure I've been to your home, so I probably saw it and didn't take awareness of. Do you remember the peach tree that grew from a pit in the compost? Yes. Mm -hmm. The Shisandra vine was climbing on that peach tree. Oh, okay. So the peach that's tree the peach the tree. That's the peach tree that came down. Yeah. So where is the Shisandra now? On the on the what I'm now calling the peach bush. Lovely. Wow. She wanted to really spread it out. So she laid down and out. It was like it went on a carnival ride. <laughs> nice. Wow. So nice. It didn't rip the vine out of the ground in any way at all. The vine just kind of was with the peach tree and went down with the peach tree. So it's all happy. Wow, fun. It's a new view. <laughs> right, a new view. <laughs> oh, goodness. The Shisandra, somebody well, I- said, well, did you know that Shisandra likes to spread? I said, you know, my Shisandra spread and spread and spread. It spread. It did great. It, like, covered everything. It prevented just about everything but the nettle from growing. I said, but I never once flowered or had berries, at least not that I knew until that peach tree grew. And then it clambered up the peach tree, and suddenly, wow, lots of flowers and berries. berries. Oh, wow. What a happy duo. (laughs) Exactly. Nice. Well, let's see. We still have lots of callers and no hands raised as of yet. Um, I'll remind everyone again, do press one if you would like to have um, a chance to come on live and ask Susan a question. Um, We have another emailed question if you would like to receive that. Oh, we now have a hand raised as well. All right. So our next caller right. is probably the yep the four one three area code from the four one three. You are live with Susan. Oh hi, can you hear me? Okay. 
We can. Okay, good. Because this is a Google phone and my computer is ancient, so it doesn't always. I have a couple of questions. Um, one is about menopause and the other is about getting vaccinated. Okay. Okay. So the first one is I am 51 and my period is tapering off and it is taking a thousand years for it to completely stop. So I'm left. I read on Twitter, um, Ayelet Waldman, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, she tweeted, and I so appreciated it, that she bled profusely for 11 days straight. And I appreciated that information so much. And she acted like there was nothing that she could do about it. I'm having the opposite sort of flow. I'm just really, it's just, I think it's gone. And then there's like, so I'm like ruining all kinds of underwear. Well, I'm not ruining it, but. So I'm wondering if you have any suggestions about how to um, tidy things up in that regard. And then also I'm getting um, vaccinated tomorrow and I'm really scared about um, the side effects and, and what I might be dealing with in terms of like death or flu-like symptoms. I live alone and there's no one to make me a cup of tea and I'm really, I'm scared. I hear you. Make some tea before you go and get vaccinated. So all, you have to do is, so all you have to do is heat it up. Okay. It's already made. What kind of, what kind of tea should what I make? Kind of tea, whatever kind of tea you want. Do you drink nourishing herbal infusion? Um, you know what? I have just um, not been drinking a lot of tea, but I will, um, may, I'll, may, I'll make some beforehand. Thank you. That's what I'll do. So do you know what I'm talking about when I ask about nourishing herbal infusions? Yes, yes. I mean, I've read your things and paid atten attention to you. Okay, because they're not tea. Yeah, like a nettle infusion or whatever. Like, I don't have anything in the house. The only thing I have in the house is um, chamomile and, um, oh, God. I have, like, three different things, and I could use those. Wonderful. Just, That's a great idea. Yeah. Make sure oh. that you don't keep chamomile for more than five or ten minutes. Okay. It has quite a few volatile oils in it that we don't okay. want to extract. Okay. And there's no particular reason to be frightened about getting vaccinated. Well, to be honest with you, the, my first shot... I um my tongue swelled up a little bit. And I haven't and told anybody I haven't told anyone that because honestly, I don't feel like I need to worry about it. My tongue swells up sometimes. Well, not all the time, but my digestion is a mess because I live in a car dependent town and I need to move back to an urban setting. And because of that, my digestion is unhappy because I don't like to go in the woods because there are ticks there. And I'm just not, the point is that happened and that's why I am beside myself with fear. You live in a car-dependent town. 
where you can't go in the woods because there's ticks in the woods. And that's why you're frightened about getting vaccinated. No, I'm frightened because my tongue swelled up. My tongue, Ah. it it didn't swell up for a long time. It just, it like, it swelled. Did it interfere with your breathing? Did you have to take antihistamine drug? Okay. So I agree with you. I don't think that it's something that, that raises a big red flag. However, another part of you says something different, doesn't it? We can stand here and say, "Eh, yeah, no big deal. But there's a part of you, a more primitive part of you, that doesn't agree with that. Mm -hmm. And that is worried. Frightened, yeah. yes, a more primitive part. You know, we we are we are in a way every age that we've personally ever been, but we are also every age that life has ever been. Mm. Right, and that's that's part of what we mean by evolution, not evolution kicking the old to the side. But evolution building on that. We still have a hind brain. We still have brain structures that are only concerned with survival. And they are sending messages to your adrenals and possibly to your hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal axis saying, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Every day that I walked the mile from my apartment to the radiation center in New York City when I was going for radiation treatment, my hindbrain said, don't do this. Do not do this. This is wrong. Absolutely not. Stop it. Don't go there. Don't. I could hear it. I could hear it very, very clearly. And I thanked it. And I said, I hear you. I hear you. This is threatening to my life, and I'm overriding you. I didn't realize that you'd had radiation. Six weeks. For what? Colorectal cancer made the cancer viciously angry, poked a hole between my rectum and my vagina. I lived with a fistula for nine months. I would not wish on my worst enemy. Yeah. And um, then the cancer started growing. Wow. They, they imaged it on May 8th at 7 centimeters. When they cut it out of my body, five days later, it was 8.7 centimeters. It had increased in size 20% in five days. Wow. They, told me radiation was, they told me radiation was 100% successful. Well, I guess it wasn't. When did this happen? I did my radiation in February, March of 2019, and I was in surgery of May 2020. Wow. And how are you now? <laughs> I just looked at Michelle, and Michelle gave me a thumbs up. 
I'm still doing physical therapy. I'm still taking um, a row of herbs. In the morning, I say, thank you, Hypericum, for restoring good nerve function to me. Thank you, Dandelion, for supporting my liver. Thank you, Shisandra, for helping my energy. Thank you, Eleuthero, for giving me a good root. Thank you, Motherwort, for keeping me calm. Thank you, Hawthorne, for making sure my heart is strong. (laughs) And then I take the herbs that help me deal with my pain. And they do a really good job. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know that about, I guess I haven't paid attention to you since uh, I read the email. It's quite okay. It's not a problem. Yeah. I've, you've yeah. been a huge influence on my life since 1989. And um, unlike Oprah, you're not behind a paywall, but you're on equal footing in, in my worldview with her. And um, I just, um, I read your the emails, but I guess that I've, uh, I wax and I wane and I was waning and that's when this happened to you. And I'm so sorry, but you mm. sound as vital as ever. So that's yes. nice. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important that we remember that there are no guarantees. I mean, everybody in the medical profession looked at me and said, you're the healthiest person that we've, we've ever had anything to deal with. It's, it's, it's hard to believe you have this diagnosis that, that there's no guarantees. I met a woman who was born and grew up on an organic farm who was diagnosed with breast cancer in her 30s. There are no guarantees. My dear friend Miriam sent me a book by Rashani Ria and Friends called Waves into Water, Reflecting on the Five Remembrances. And I've been talking about this book and the five remembrances to a variety of people. I find the five remembrances, which I call the five truths, um, I find them uplifting. I find them freeing. I find them in myself as the absolute basis of what it means to be alive. Other people say that they're so depressing. They're so negative. The original polytext of the five remembrances retrieved in 2007, translated by Sanacero Bikku and by Nyan Oponika Bodhi. The first remembrance, I am subject to aging. I have not gone beyond aging. I am sure to become old. I cannot avoid aging. The second remembrance, I am subject to illness. I have not gone beyond illness. I am sure to become ill. I cannot avoid illness. The third remembrance, I am subject to death. I have not gone beyond death. I am sure to die. I cannot avoid death. The fourth remembrance. I will grow different and separate from all that is dear and appealing to me. I must be separated and parted from all that is dear and beloved to me. 
the fifth remembrance. I am the owner of my actions. I am the heir of my actions. I am born of my actions. My actions are the womb from which I spring. I am related through my actions, and my actions are my relations. I have my actions as my arbitrators. I have my actions as my protection. Whatever I do, whatever actions I do, for good or for bad, to that I shall fall to those I become the heir. We are none of us beyond death. We are none of us beyond old age. We are none of us beyond illness. We are none of us beyond loss. And we are only our actions. Not our intentions, not our thoughts, not our words. This is a hard shoal for many apprentices. They crash themselves up against this. Because I don't buy their words. I buy their actions only. <laughs> Michelle is nodding and grinning. Yeah. That was a hard one. <laughs> to be held accountable for your actions. Not what, not what you thought you were doing or intended to do. I hope that's of some help to you. Again, mm-hmm. I find it absolutely liberating, right? Because our culture tells me that I am supposed to never get sick and never get old and never die, right? And if I do, I'm a failure. I really hope I don't die tomorrow, though, (laughs) because of the vaccine. You will. I sincerely don't think you will. You know, I, I think you said you live in a city. No, I need to go back to the city. That's what I need. You want to go back to the city. So the place where you're going to get your second shot, are they prepared to do something if your tongue swells up and you stop breathing? Um, Yes. I mean, you know, I I have to stay the required amount of time. And then... Right, and then they're prepared to to take care of you if that should happen. Right. So you're not going to die when you get the vaccination or within the next, how long do you have to stay there? I don't know, not long. Ten minutes. All right. So the first ten minutes are covered. Did your tongue swell up within those ten minutes, the first shot? No. It happened about um, four hours after or two hours after. Mm -hmm. Do you have either OSHA root or an antihistamine on hand? Yeah, I I actually have some probably now out-of-date antihistamines, but the problem is that I'm super sensitive. So, for example, yesterday I just used CB. Someone gave me some CBD lotion, and I put it on my hands, and it it was like smoking a cigarette after you haven't smoked a cigarette in like 10 years. I got like all tingly. And then 
I got woozy and relaxed, and then I had wicked withdrawal so that... You had a great imagination. Absolutely none of that occurs from CBD. (laughs) I don't doubt you at all. You had the world's best imagination. I applaud your imagination. There is absolutely no way that the CBD on your hands did any of that. I'm sure you're right. I'm just totally psychosomatic. Totally. Absolutely. And so are you going to kill yourself tomorrow is really the question at hand. Are you going to kill yourself tomorrow? Is that what you're telling us? Bite your tongue. What a thing to say. No. Well, you just made up this whole thing from the C- a little CBD on your hand. Come on. <laughs> really? Know, my, tongue, my tongue really did swell up, though. It swelled up like dry. I'm four hours not saying time. these things don't happen. That's why I'm asking you if you're going to kill yourself tomorrow. Are you going to no. let your imagination kill you tomorrow? No, no. All right, then get a grip. All right. Tell it I, to sit down. I was like, after I get this vaccination. And say, what are you, CBD does not do that. I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure it doesn't. Are you sure that I was like. And what I'm saying is you have to tell your imagination CBD doesn't do that. I'm not telling you that. I'm saying you have to say that to yourself, right? Yes. What I call setting up some road signs. Right? You are out there driving on a road without even any lines painted on it. Would you paint some lines on that road and set up some stop signs? You can't just follow your mind wherever it takes you. Oh, but it's like part of the artistic process. I'm autistic. And I'm telling no, you, you not follow your mind, River you. I said artistic, not autistic. Artistic. I thought you said autistic. Yes, that's fine. But not when you're not when you're putting CBD on your hand or getting vaccinated. When you're doing your art, then the muse comes to you. Other than that, she gets shut up in her box. Ugh. I'm just so frustrated that I'm I am all over the place because of that. So, yes, I, I what I said was, okay, get vaccinated, and then um, I saved a pint of ice cream, and I was like, eat this entire pint of ice cream afterwards. But then I was like, no, 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 maybe I should um, clean my whole house afterwards, or maybe I should make, um, make um, a cake sans butter. I don't know. I don't know what to do afterwards. I felt like I had a delineated idea of how to comport myself directly after it. Then I would probably... Go for a walk. Yeah. Go for a walk. Is there some place you can go for a walk? Walk a mile or two? Yeah. 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 Because all those but, other things, all those other things you suggested, mm-hmm. give your mind a free pass to the carnival. And when you're walking, that's not going to happen. Okay. And again, what I want you to do When you hear yourself saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so frightened, I'm so worried, 
is one of two things. Either say, enough from you, I will not tolerate this anymore, and shut it down. Or, what's your favorite color? Brown. Think of brown, look at brown, say the word brown, write the word brown. You start to get worried, you start to get concerned, you just say brown, brown, you look at brown, you write brown, you say brown, until you say, why am I doing brown? And then you on to the next thought. Okay. 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 All right. Good. <gasps> Call next week and reassure us that you're still here, okay? Okay, I will. Thank you. Thank you. have two callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question. Our next caller is calling from the 787 area code. From the 787, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question about something called endometrial hyperplasia that I was recently diagnosed with. Um, From what I understand, it's uh, excess growth of the endometrium that happens within the uterus. The, yes, correct. And I'm wondering specifically how that would affect something like fertility. You were diagnosed because you sought a diagnosis for certain symptoms? No, I it was a surprise, actually. I went to the doctor because I haven't been having much of a period. My period is very light, and it lasts about one to two days. Um, uh, and you're how old? An ultrasound. I'm 29. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they did an mm-hmm. ultrasound because you thought there was something wrong with you because of your light period. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Can you tell me about your diet? Um, it's a pretty normal diet. Uh, I eat, um, I've been reading your text for a while now, so I, I make sure okay. to eat a lot of whole milk yogurt, um, whole grains. I eat meat here and there, um, and lots of fresh greens. And I try to actually... Well, we're not talking milk. about a loss of bleeding due to dietary influences. No, definitely not. I eat uh, red meat about once or twice a week for that same reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they did an ultrasound and said, oh, there's some hyperplasia. Yeah. What did they want to do about that? So they're recommending a course of um, kind of a synthetic hormone to be like progesterone um, to supposedly clear up or reduce the thickness of that endometrium. But I don't think I want to do that. (laughs) Well, let's just roll back a little bit here because this is one of my hobby horses. 
I find that very frequently people go to the doctor but really don't want anything the doctor has to offer. So it's a kind of dead end. So you are concerned because your period is light. It's regular, but it's light. Mm -hmm. And they are saying, oh, the reason that your period is light is because the part of your uterus that bleeds is bigger than normal. Yes, it feels like it's not shedding. That's kind of what they explained. So they're saying that you are not producing the hormones that you need to get the endometrial layer to slough off. And what they're suggesting is that you use progesterone and what will happen under the influence of progesterone. You, that will thin back out. You will you will bleed. I think so. Well, my my suggestion before you decide not to do it is to get more information about it and find out exactly what they might suggest you to take and get the package insert. You can get it from any druggist, any pharmacist. And read it. Okay. If you're bothered enough, it might be the thing to do. Okay. It's not. Yeah, I I think also. Not like uh-huh. some horrible drug that's going to destroy you. It's a small amount of a hormone given for a limited amount of time, right? We're not talking about you're taking this for very long. No, they said about three months. Right, a very short amount of time. Um, But I'm concerned about the fact that it's a synthetic hormone. It's not the hormone itself. Um, And I don't know if there's natural sources of it. Or something yes. else that I can do. Yes, you can catheterize a pregnant horse and collect her urine, extract progesterone <laughs> from her urine. It's called Premarin. Okay, wow. Of course, the horse doesn't get to move around. And she has to be pregnant. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's. And I've also started taking Vitex, um, because um, I was worried about my period, like I mentioned, and so I read online that that would be uh, a great tincture for me to take to kind of regulate everything. Is that something that is helpful? I think so. I think so. You're taking Vitex Berry tincture? Yes, I'm taking tincture uh, two dropperfuls every morning. I would 
triple that. Take two dropperfuls every morning, every afternoon, and every night. And if you can't do it in the afternoon, take it in the morning with dinner and before you go to sleep. Okay, I can do that. But I think one concern that I have is that they said that the hyperplasia is happening as a result of hypothyroidism, which I have had for many years now. Um, and so I'm wondering if it's worth it to do this uh, progesterone thing, if that's just going to keep on happening. Oh, very important information. Thank you for sharing that. And are there things that you do that help your thyroid? I do. Um, I have. I, I try to avoid any goitrogens. I try to stay away from soy, um, and I, I do take um, levothyroxine, um, and I do supplement also with seaweed for it. Mhm. And so your thyroid levels are pretty normal now. Yes, they've been normal, but I've had thyroid disease, I would say, for about 10 or 11 years now. And it's mm -hmm. been well managed with just medication and light exercise and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the question. I hear the question, is it worth doing it? Because maybe your thyroid even though it's managed well, nonetheless could influence this to happen again. So the question is, if you don't deal with it now, what will happen? And will you be able to deal with it as simply in the future if you don't deal with that? Mm, that's a good question some more questions to ask my doctor. Right. Um, if the endometrium continues to grow, at some point they're going to say, let's just yank that baby out of there. Mm-hmm. And that's a concern also because I'm, I'm not looking to conceive right now, but I would over the next few years. And so I'm, I'm wanting to kind of prepare So maybe it's, my maybe it's better to take hormones for three months than to risk losing your uterus. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um, and I was also wondering about red yes. clover. I don't know if that. Uh -huh. Mhm. Mm I don't um, know. If what about red clover? I I've never had red clover. I do oat straw and nettle infusions regularly, but I've never tried red clover. Mm -hmm. And I I read somewhere that it had. I think what would be more helpful would be linden and and comfrey added to your rotation. I'm glad you do the nettle. I'm glad you do the oat straw. Add linden, add comfrey. Perfect. I will do that. Thank you, Susan. Wonderful. I'm so glad you called and asked me. Me too. Thank you so much for your help. Dream blessings, good night. 
right. And at this time, we do not have a caller that has pressed one. We do still have an email question that came in. Um, I do see our guest is also in the queue. So Why don't we just go right on to Anne? Anne Crawford is a best-selling, award-winning author of 10 books. She's also an award-winning documentary filmmaker and humanitarian. She's an avid traveler, and she's been to 75 countries and all 50 states. She's lived all over. Right now, she and her husband have a view of Colorado's Rocky Mountains out the window. You can assume that means she's in Colorado. She can be reached at all the usual places. And A-N-N, Crawford.net, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and so on. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you so much. Can you hear me? We sure can. Glad to have you on the show. I I told everybody earlier that you'd written a book, (laughs) that you'd written a book about a healer who uses herbs. I have. The book is called Spellweaver, and she's a healer during the witch hunts, during the burning times in Scotland in 1597. And I don't go super into depth with her healing work, a little bit, um, but the main point is that women were had this power and the church was trying to suppress it. So that was why she got, she in particular got burned. But um, that's a very short part of the story. The whole thing is very uplifting. She's just a beautiful, magical being. And it it only has um, like, it has 4.9, the average on Amazon, which is the highest of all my books. <laughs> and so that kind of surprises me because it sounds like it's such a dark subject, but it's really not. It's about the light, really. So, and one thing I wanted okay. to share. Okay, Let, let's just stop for a minute. Let's just stop okay. for a minute and smack ourselves across the, across the face for our, our white supremacist attitudes that light is good and dark is bad and promise never to do it again. Okay. All right. Happy to do that. All right, let's go on. No, I have heard. I have heard that. I have heard this. I've actually been okay, telling that people was... that for thirty years. Thirty years ago, I wanted to give a workshop to that local university, and they said, "You're crazy. Saying that dark is bad has nothing to do with racism." <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> it's the basis of racism. No. Uh, yeah. And it's the basis. Of women hating too to believe that dark is bad and light is good. It's a pretty big one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And especially as white people, we got to get over it. Now, hey, it's not just us. I've worked in black communities, and they're a lot more color sensitive than we are. And they're very much into what, what color do they wear at all their rituals? <coughs> white, because it's pure. It's, you know, we all have a white supremacist inside. <laughs> so it's okay. We don't need to worry that it's ours alone. <laughs> all right, we're all learning 
to see what we can do to quell that particular monster. <laughs> so you've been to 75 countries. I have. Do you have, have. you have a place that you would like to go back? Oh, most of them. <laughs> oh, they're wonderful. When I w- one of my favorite places was Iona off the west coast of Scotland, and it was actually I was on a bus going across the island of Mull to get a ferry to Iona, and that's when the entire story of Spellweaver came to me. Um, so that's definitely one of my favorite places, and Kathmandu and the old city of Jerusalem and South Africa, all over the place. We have such a beautiful planet. Oh, and the Vietnam, old city of Jerusalem is amazing, amazing, oh, amazing. Oh, my goodness. And my parents really wanted to get me to South Africa, and I'm like, apartheid, apartheid, not going there. And they were, they were, it was one of their favorite favorite places, and they were great world travelers. They spent two to three months every year traveling, and they loved South wow. Africa. I've never been there. So, it's and really my, Michelle the Apprentice, Michelle the Apprentice was laughing when you said, "Oh, the island of Iona," because she knows that when I was going to be initiated as a witch, and I, with my cousin, and we're having this ceremony. And the ceremony is that you're going to get in this bathtub, and there's rose petals and lavender is the bathtub, and then you're going to get out, and as your foot hits the ground, you're going to say what your magical name is. And I am putting myself at the back of the line because I don't have a magical name, and there's no magical name coming to me. And finally, it is the end of the line, and I have to get in the bathtub. And I'm, like, really doing my best to, like, stay there forever because I do not have a magical name. And I can't get out of the bathtub because I don't have a magical name. And finally, they haul me out. And as my foot touches the ground, I say, I am Iona. And I immediately think, I can't believe you what I own a car. I own a house. What? I own a what? It was seven years before I learned there was an Isle of Iona. Wow. Have you been there yet? Or? No. Talk about magical. Oh, my goodness. It's one of the most magical places I've ever been. It's just, I mean, even the stones thing, it's just an amazing place. For me, it was a very big smack upside the head to trust. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And to not get so wound up in, you know, my personal failure. The universe is going to provide. Just get out of the bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) What, What was your worst nightmare while you were traveling? Um, we didn't really have anything super bad happen. I mean, the hotel on the border of Nepal and India was frightful. But, I, I mean, we we were pretty, we must have had some angels behind us. But we were very lucky with our travels. Um, one, t- one time I traveled around the world by myself, and then the next time I traveled around the world, um, it was with my ex-husband, and we were making a movie. And another one of my favorite countries is Vietnam. I went there with a group of vets, and 
of the Vietnam War and filmed them going back to where they'd been stationed and doing humanitarian work. And that was one of the most glorious honors of my life to be with these guys as they were letting go of 20 years of, at the time, guilt. And they they wanted to go back to um, atone for what they had done. And it was the whole town one time the whole town came out to greet us and this former um, Vietnamese soldier met our guy who had been fighting in that area and they realized they'd been fighting each other at the same time and they just hugged and held hands and cried. The whole thing was just another piece of pure magic and that movie actually won a very prestigious award so that that's that's the movie part of my life. But one thing I wanted to tell you was about the old city of Jerusalem. Another story came to me then, and that was about Mary Magdalene and Yeshua. And I was listening to the beginning part of your show about sex and sexuality. And one of the things, my version of Mary Magdalene, I have her as a high priestess who actually teaches the sexual arts. Um, not a prostitute. I didn't ignore it altogether, ignore sexuality altogether. But she makes it a beautiful gift that we have. So that's how it's treated in my story. Plus she's with Oh, and what's, and what's the name of that book? Mary's Message. Mary's Message, yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. And there are a few books called that. <laughs> They have to find the one that by Ann Crawford. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yes, people are always astonished that there's n- no legal bar to naming your book the same name as some other book. It's really quite surprising. <laughs> yeah, I know there are lots of <laughs> yes. books called the same thing. <laughs> yes, yes, you can do it. It, it can be quite confusing or not. <laughs> Right, right. Yes, being on the road can definitely have its ups and downs. I remember a night in a hotel in Paris and and complained bitterly to my bedmate about how lumpy the mattress was, and he's like, oh, no, it's not. And so the next night I made him sleep on my side, and sure enough, his side was perfectly flat and smooth and comfortable. (laughs) He's going, oh, it's lumpy over here. I said, hmm, told you so. (laughs) But, but, you know, for me, when I travel, I travel because I don't want to be comfortably at home. Right, right. I I, I assume that the, the, the travel gods are going to take from me when I travel. They do. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> You're going to have to pay the travel guards every trip. They're not shy about it. <laughs> but it's worth it because you get to be somewhere you wouldn't ordinarily be. Right. What's the most surprising like thing that's happened to you in your travels? Um... Meeting my husband, I guess, <laughs> my first husband. 
when I was leaving for my first trip around the world, a friend of mine said, what do you want out of this trip? And I said, a husband. And I was joking, but I wasn't. And I met him right away. He was in New Zealand. I was surprised that he was in New Zealand and not at the end of the trip. (laughs) 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 And we ended up being married for 15 years. And so that, that that was a nice time and stuff. So I, I think mm. that was the most surprising part. <laughs> <laughs> that certainly is quite the surprise, especially when you get what you've asked for. Right. 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 I, I guess I was serious. <laughs> did you write a book about that? Um, I did. I did, but it's not up on Amazon or anything. Mm-hmm. I wrote another. You know, it, it was interesting to me as I began to publish Juliet Berkeley Levy's work, and I could see that what she was literally doing was living from advance to advance. Wow! Wow! She was a single mom, and she basically the only source of income she had were the advances she was being given. And wow! You, see, you know, this comes to an end, and Bob, she's got to write a new book. <laughs> well, and, I did write a book about my current husband. I mean, it's okay. not a, not totally about him. That's Angels on Overtime, and um, when on the day his divorce from his previous wife was final. He sat down and he wrote a list of 40 things he wanted in his next and last wife. <laughs> and he, was, he wanted someone between 5'10 and 6 foot on 5'11. He wanted blue eyes that sparkle, check. Someone at peace with her world, well-read, intelligent, all that kind of stuff. And the last thing on his list was she has her own list and I meet all of her criteria. And I did. And he did, and he still does. Um, So I was 39 and a half things out of 40. (laughs) And he was everything on my list, too, except he didn't have long hair. But the pandemic did take care of that. (laughs) Oops. And we pictured a bunch of angels like a group of keystone cops bumbling about trying to find this woman who would fit all 40 things. Well, he was in Kansas, and so the angels would be saying, well, there is this woman. She's in California. She's all 40 things, but she's married. Well, that won't work. Well, how married? Well, okay, maybe not so very married anymore. Because he wrote it at the time that my last marriage was disintegrating. So... I mean, it it just worked out so beautifully. So that story is kind of based on us. Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good story. That's a great story. (laughs) And then this this week is um, National Suicide Prevention Week. And I worked in talent management in L.A. for a while, and one of our actors, a beautiful, talented, funny, intelligent, just totally lit woman, committed suicide. And a couple years later, this story came to me, and I, I wrote it. And I wanted her to be the hero, the shero of her journey, no matter how it ended. So that's, that's called Life in the Hollywood Lane. 
Mm. Where she steps out of being a victim. Yeah, yeah. I don't make her a victim. I mean, I make, I make, there's a lot of confusion over why it happened. And it's told from her roommate's point of view, her bestie, um, who is filled with guilt until she realizes that there really wasn't anything she ever could have said or done um, and that it was a choice made. So, yeah, but she's the woman who neither of them are victims by the end. (laughs) I was talking before, I don't know if you had a chance to hear about the five remembrances of the five truths. And, yes, I heard, I did hear And, uh, of course, one of the liberations of that is um, if I am not beyond death and I am not beyond um, getting old and I am not beyond sickness, then my life is a success whenever I die. Right. My right. life is not a success only if I live to a certain age. My, the success of my life is not judged by how old I get. Right. Or how much I do. Yes. I heard recently there's a woman in Vermont who has on her tombstone, I had a lovely time. I love that so much. There's no knocking on my shower door <laughs> and saying, hey, write me down. And it just, so it just sort of comes in a download, a lot of it. And um, so that that's basically how I do it. And I write from about 9 to 11, 12, midnight, whatever, whatever the – Spirit is moving me to however long the Spirit's moving me to write. That's how long I'll write that day. So, and right now I have um, a top New York agent working with me on my latest book, and I'm on my seventh rewrite. And I have to say, I'm that's new to me. She's they're really pulling a masterpiece out of me for this one that's coming up. All right. Then, the the rewriting is a special kind of joy. Yeah. yeah. As, you, as you find ever clearer, ever more succinct, ever more fractal ways of conveying. Yes, that's a beautiful way to put it. 
saying more with fewer words. Yes. Bringing the reader into the garden or wherever you are in the book, you know, with the smell and the texture and the air, caressing someone's face, all that beautiful stuff just comes more and more alive with each rewrite. I have a friend who had to rewrite a book 10 times and her publisher sold a million copies. So I'm totally fine with with all these rewrites. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) May you sell a million copies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned my husband's from I mentioned my husband's from Kansas, and he split his time between the city and his grandparents had a farm. So he spent half his time out on the farm. And the first time he brought me out there, I just fell in love with the land. And so much of this country puts down Kansas, thinking they're just a bunch of hicks and all that. They're not. And the land is beautiful. The land there also sings. So my book, Fresh Off the Starship, is kind of a celebration of that. It's about a friendly alien who was trained to go to Washington, D.C., where she could help on a... But why in Kansas? Kansas. <laughs> yeah. She, she, went, she meant to go to Washington, D.C. to help on a grand geopolitical scale, but the person she was going to take over, she was going to be a walk-in, ended up deciding to live. So she ended up getting diverted to Kansas, and she had no. She lost all of her training on the diversion, and she wakes up in Kansas like, what just happened? So I had to pretend I was a fully grown adult experiencing everything for the first time, like a shower, a Starbucks macchiato, <laughs> everything. It was so much fun to try to go to try and write down what every experience was as if it was for the very first time in a brand new body as an adult. No oh, I was going to say a brand, a brand new adult body. Right, right. That was really fun to write. I had a great time writing that book. And what's the name of that one again? Fresh Off the Starship. Fresh off the starships, (laughs) an alien invasion comedy. Right, right. (laughs) A romantic comedy. A romantic comedy. Oh, even better. Yeah. Uh, The reason I I ask you if you write for a specific person is because it was a writing tip that I was given – and that I find perhaps the most effective writing tip ever, which is to write for one person. The trap that many writers fall into is to try to write for everybody, and there isn't an everybody. Right, right, absolutely. And the more you try to write for everybody, the more diluted and pretty much non-existent you become. <laughs> right. You know, we, we're, what we want from each other is our uniqueness. Yeah, yeah. We like to come together around what we agree on, but what's fascinating is what we don't agree on. Right, 
True. True. Well, they say when you're marketing, who's your ideal person to market to? And I do have that. So perhaps she is who I'm writing to. She's spiritual, open, all kinds of new information, loves to laugh, is romantic, but very spiritual. My specialty is deep and funny. I I don't shy away from some very um, deep subjects like um, incest or rape or things like that. Um, But for the most part, the books are, other than Spellweaver and Mary's Message, the other books are very funny (laughs) for the most part. Tell us more about something funny that's in one of the books. Well, well, I just said about Fresh Off the Starship. Um, Angels on Overtime is very funny. Um, there are these two. It's based on the premise that every human has a group, a, a team of angels watching over them. Three angels, and if the human's about to awaken, wake up, um, they're getting a fourth angel. And so the fourth angel is brand new to this, and they're asking all kinds of questions and wondering all about this stuff about humanity and all these crazy things humans do. So it's just very funny in a general way, but it also goes very deep. Um, Like when somebody there commits suicide or when someone else tries to commit suicide, what's waiting on them on the other side. Um, It's a very, very beautiful, beautiful story. And fresh off the starship, like I said, she wakes up with all these people around her and she has a Harry, when Harry met Sally scene, the first time her husband takes her to Starbucks. (laughs) So that was really fun. And just trying to figure out life, just trying to figure out life on earth and life in Kansas was pretty humorous. It was, that was, like I said, that was so much fun to write. I'm reminded of the the joke about the alien who is taken in by a a housewife and um, acclimates very, very well. And um, so one day um, they need to go shopping, and she's hurt herself in some way. And the alien says, well, I'll drive us to go shopping. And she says, really? Do you know how to drive a car? And he says, yeah, I've been watching you. I can do it. I, I, I'll, I'll drive the car, no problem. And so they go out on the road, right? And they come to a traffic light, and it's green, and the alien goes through the green light. And they come to a traffic light, and it's red, and the alien stops. And they come to a traffic light that's yellow, and the alien jams on the accelerator. She says, my goodness, why did you do that? He says, doesn't yellow mean go as fast as you possibly can? <laughs> right. That's what it means. <laughs> did you ever see the movie Starman? No, I I I have very little opportunity for for screen time. Although I just did fifty hyperbaric treatments and I watched fifty movies, but <laughs> we'll wow. let that go. Wow. <laughs> I think I saw more movies this year than I've probably seen in all my life. Wow, wow! I think it's from the seventies or so. There's a it's about an alien who comes to Earth, and there's one line in that movie where he tells the earth human, um, you humans are at your best when you're at your worst. And ever since I heard that line, I wanted to write a book about an alien who comes to earth. 
you humans are at your best when you're at your worst. What an enigmatic statement to make. Isn't that a girl who had a little curl right in the middle of her forehead. (laughs) (laughs) We really pull ourselves together. Let's remind people (laughs) where they can buy all of these wonderful books. Well, they're all on Amazon, and you can find them all. Um, my website is annecrawford.net, and there's no E on Ann. Um, and Crawford is like Cindy Crawford, my twin sister. Just kidding. <laughs> and so I love it. <laughs> all the links to my books are on there. And my name is actually really funny because I just mentioned that I'm almost six feet tall. My parent, I was such a tiny baby. And my parents wanted a tiny name to match me, and so I have totally outgrown that name. But <laughs> Oh, my gosh, they wanted a tiny name for the tiny baby, and now you're almost six feet tall. <laughs> yes, Mary Elizabeth Antoinette or something. <laughs> right, just goes to show, doesn't it, that you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. I was like, I'll show you. Oh, amazing. Um. <laughs> uh, when people say to me, I'm going to write a book, I say to them, mm, give me a call when your bathroom is cleaner than it's ever been. Why would I say that? <laughs> I understand why you'd say that. And all the baseboards are cleaned and the sock drawer is organized. <laughs> Those are the best thinking times, really. Driving, taking a shower, doing the dishes. That's when a lot of my ideas come to me. I always have a notebook around. Yes. It's in the, quote, mindless tasks. That the voice of the muse finally has enough silence to get through. Right. Exactly. And the hands are occupied and the brain can just float. Those are the best times. And give you images and the ideas and very much as you say it's not that you're planning what the characters are going to do the characters come to you and tell you what they're going to do right my my sweetheart when we're watching a movie will frequently say something like the script writer made her do it <laughs> sometimes Sometimes not. (laughs) I don't argue with him, but I do know that in most cases, it was actually the other way around. The character, screenwriter, or the author do it. Absolutely. (laughs) Mm. The state's of North America, and I'm going to assume that you've been in Canada, too. If you've been to all 50 states, you've probably been to all the provinces of Canada as well. Constitute, uh, to me, one of the greatest scenic wonders of this world. North America is stunning. Absolutely. Oh, it's amazing. We came over. um, Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. You came over. We came over the border of um, into North Dakota, and there's a piece 
park in the middle because it's the middle of the border, the longest unfortified border in the world, which is a beautiful statement. So that that was that was quite unexpected. That that was a nice surprise to find that peace peace church peace park there. I loved that. Yes. Is that where the peace bridge is? Um, I'm, I don't think so. I don't, no, I know there's a bridge. But maybe that's somewhere else. So, I find that we tend to think that we have to find inspiration and beauty far away. And I'm hoping that um, your travels um, and your writing uh, help people to remember that where they are is amazing. Absolutely. If there's one thing the pandemic has taught me, and I know a lot of other people, is that right where we are is an amazing place too. I just planted myself in the in the backyard and just fell in love with our garden. And, and there are prairie dogs around the corner, and I went to visit the prairie dogs a lot. <laughs> and I had never appreciated prairie dogs so much until the pandemic came along. But yeah, it's where we are is wonderful too. Both are mind-blowing and expansive and beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So you wound up in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Was that an active choice or was just kind of where the (laughs) author dropped you? Um, I came here for a job. We were living in Kansas. As I mentioned, that's where my husband was living. And I moved to Kansas from a hippie surfer town in Northern California, because his kids were just finishing up high school. So I was the more portable of the two. And then a few years later, I got a job in Colorado, and we came here. And I've, But I've been writing full-time for a while now, so I'm so glad to be able to do that. So it doesn't really matter where you call home. No, no. In, ter- I've in terms of your every... writing. Right, right. I grew up on the East Coast, lived on the West Coast. I've lived in every continental time zone. <laughs> so, but I do have to say I'm an ocean person, and I do go to the ocean about once a quarter at least. So. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, mama. Back <laughs> to mama, wherever you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what haven't we talked about that you wanted to share? We've talked about um, four or five of your books out of ten. Do you want to mention the other titles? Well, I have two that are in process right now, and I have one called Visioning. Um, That was my first book that was published, and that's on Amazon, too. And then two others, um, let's just call them practice. (laughs) They never... I don't think I'll ever get back to rewriting them and putting them up. But still, they count the number of books I've written. So, 
All right. And, um, yeah, yeah. Well, and I had all of those books, all of those books are available at Amazon. And right. just to remind you again, it's A N N Craw Ford, not a crawfish, a craw Ford, I guess. <laughs> The crawfishes made of Ford. Well, crawfish do like shallow <laughs> water. It's true. You know, it's I got it. work with the I work with the idea that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And part of this is because I understand that spinning and being able to create fiber is a far more important human endeavor than making stone tools. In fact, there are women anthropologists who suggest that it shouldn't be the Stone Age, but the Net Age. Wow. Right? uh, You know, monkeys use stones. They don't spin. Right. Monkeys have stones. They pass on to their offspring. They don't spin. Only human women spin. It's absolutely unique thing. You could say that a spider spins, but it's a little different. A spider, you know, spits something out of its body. It's not really taking <laughs> something from an animal or a plant and spinning it into a new right. thing, actually processing it into a new thing. So we, our work is the reweaving of the healing cloak of the ancients. And I want to thank you for the threads that you spin, that you continue to spin, and the amazing colors and textures that you add to this healing cloak. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes. And Sarah Ellen, thanks again for being the perfect moderator and for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And before I say green blessings, Let me remind everybody, the force that shapes and shakes the world is a woman's orgasm. Dream blessings and good night.